wash. Humid, salty air catches in my hair. The saw palmettos clatter in the torrid breezes of August, and I see sunrises on the beach. At six, that sensation was a tide, a rhythm, a hurt, a joy. This powerful first sensation of a place I have come to know well because I've kept it all my life, just as I've kept square thumbnails and insomnia. One of my favorite writers, Freya Stark, acknowledged a similar feeling in The Valley of the Assassins. It shone clearly, distinct in the evening light, an impressive sight to the pilgrim. I contemplated it with the feelings due to an object that still has the power to make one travel so far. Her it being anything that pulls us hard enough so that we take the passport from the drawer, pack the minimum, and head out the door with an instinct as sure as that of an ancient huntress with quiver and bow. The urge to travel feels magnetic. Two of my favorite words are linked, departure, time. And travel wets the emotions, turns upside down the memory bank, and the golden coins scatter. How my mother would have loved the mansard apartment we borrowed from a friend in Paris. Will I be lucky enough to show pieces of the great world to my grandchild? I'm longing to hold his hand when he first steps into a gondola. I've seen his freedom burst upon him on his first hikes in California. Arms out, he runs forward. I recognize the surge. Sardinia, the real name Sardinia. I have wanted to come here since I read D. H. Lawrence's Sea and Sardinia years ago in a blank hotel room in Zurich. It is a small, stony, hen-scratched place of poor people, I read, and in we rolled into Orosei, a dilapidated, sun-smitten, god-forsaken little town not far from the sea. We descend to the piazza. We descend to the piazza. Yes, that's the sentence I liked. I underlined sun-smitten in my paperback book, and as I fell asleep, the noise of Zurich traffic below became these waves I see right now, lapping the seawall. We have a few days. I will look at all the Moorish tiles, sample the hard pecorino and goat cheeses, climb around in the prehistoric village. Travel pushes my boundaries, seemingly self-indulgent, Travel, paradoxically, obliterates me, 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 because very quickly, prestissimo, the own little self is unlocked from the present and released to move through layers of time. It is not 2006 all over the world. So, who are you in a place where 1950 or 1920 is about to arrive? Or where the guide says, we're not talking about A.D. today, Everything from now on is B.C. You are released also because you are insignificant to the life of the new place. When you travel, you become invisible if you want. I do want. I like to be the observer. What makes these people who they are? Could I feel at home here? No one expects you to have the stack of papers back by Tuesday or to check messages or to fertilize the geraniums. When traveling, 
you have the delectable possibility of not understanding a word of what is said to you. Even better, if you speak the language, you catch nuances and make more contact with people. Travel releases spontaneity. You become a godlike creature full of choice, free to visit the stately pleasure domes, make love in the morning, sketch a bell tower, read a history of Byzantium. You open, as in childhood, and for a time, receive this world. There's the visceral aspect, too, the huntress who is free, free to go, free to return home bringing memories to lay on the hearth. A year after those, yes, sun-smitten days in Sardinia, we are going off to Spain. Then we have a list of places in the world we would like to call home, at least for a while. At twenty, it's easy to sling on the backpack and take off. Later, you may find the responsibilities that the years layer onto our bodies and souls to be hard to impossible to escape. You have to wrench your circumstances to get out from under them. And my home lulls me. The yellow roses on the table, creamy ironed sheets with my mother's monogram, rabbit with fennel baking in the oven, guests about to arrive, my cat's sister purring against my foot, a sunroom full of books. These profound comforts, the joys of home. The thrown-off remark, I want to taste the last drop, will go down in my column of the book kept by the heavenly scribe. How did one sentence send me off into an intense five years of boarding planes, buses, trains, ships? The dream of a travel year became compromised by a complicated life, but the trips, arranged by season, become in this audiobook a single year in the world. A series of events sharpened my sense of carpe diem, making me edgy to go. First, a friend's heart attack. Then, my mother's death. Then, the stunning horror of breast cancer in nine, nine of my closest friends. Two died. Other less drastic forces began to press. Teaching often swamped my writing. I longed for time, unscheduled time, dream time, quiet time. You could be dead by evening, I read in Proust. Well, I know that. A potato chip truck can flatten you at any given stoplight. This happened to one friend. All fall I looked at maps, saying incredulously, I always meant to go to Scotland. From Colette I copied in my yellow notebook, Nothing can equal the savor of that which has been seen and truly seen and also her evocative sentence, I'm leaving tonight for Limousin. In our carpe diem state of mind, we decide to take a big risk and live by our wits. Travel will be tied to a bigger word, freedom. We resign from our teaching jobs to work as full-time writers and to explore new possibilities. Are you crazy? giving up two tenured university jobs in the Bay Area? Ed turned in his resignation on Valentine's Day and came home with three dozen yellow roses. We're giddy, then scared, then giddy. Imagine, time. Everything I pick up seems to lure me away. 
Everything I do in my daily life begins to feel like striking wet matches. The need to travel is a mysterious force. A desire to go runs through me equally with an intense desire to stay at home, an equal and opposite thermodynamic principle. When I travel, I think of home and what it means. At home, I'm dreaming of pushing open shutters to see Florence awaken. The balance just slightly tips in the direction of the airport. Blood Oranges, Andalusia. January, old Janus face looking left at the past year and right toward the new. I'm for the new, no mournful backward glance. Make tracks I write one night on the steamed kitchen window. The year rolled on and doesn't bear thinking about, Suffice to say the words, surgery, hospitals, deaths. As the sublime September weather arrived, we all experienced the mind-altering, world-shaking attack on America. Go, bad year. May the stars realign. Now, Janus, my friend, I am going to Spain for a winter month in Andalusia. Andalusia, land of the orange and the olive tree, land of passionate poets and flamenco dancers, and late-night dinners with guitar music in jasmine-scented gardens. Ed flew to Italy a week ago because, as always, we have some complicated building project in progress. En route to Spain, he has detoured to Bramasole, our house in Cortona, to see about the drilling of a well for a 900-year-old house we have bought in the mountains. We want to accomplish an historic restoration on this stone house built by hermit monks who followed St. Francis of Assisi. We are planning to meet in Madrid.